0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Hootball Sixers. I'm your host, Adam Sherman, and I'm here today with a special guest, my dad.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Mike Sherman. Nice to
0: be here. All right, let's jump right in. The Sixers have started their season on Wednesday, game in New Orleans, and it wasn't very competitive. They were without Zion Williamson, but Sixers really took care of business there. Really balanced effort all around. Tobias with 20. Efficient shooting. Joel, 22, 6, and 5, also efficient. Uh, Maxi really stood out in his first start at point guard, uh, 20 points, 7, and 5, really good shooting. Drummond off the bench, 6 points, 17 rebounds, good defensively, and Furcon was huge off the bench. So, uh, immediate thoughts on this game. Um, really just looked like a really, really well put together team without Ben, and they look like they can compete, but I really don't think that was much of a challenge, and it's not much to. To look ahead to, Dad, what do you think about that one?
1: Well, who's this Ben person
0: that you mentioned? Um, this is um, the start of of a new era. Maybe we really we really have no clue. You know, rumors circulate. New news comes out every day. One day he's playing. One day he's not. One day he's ready to come back, and, and it's mental. The next day he hates the team and he wants to leave as soon as possible. So right now I'm focused on this team. I'm focused on Tyrese Max is our starting point guard. I'm focused on what we have right now, because realistically, with Joel Embiid on the team, with Tobias Harrison, your all-star, and with the pieces around him, this team can still make a playoff run.
1: So I've been a Sixers fan since the you know late 70s, you know, when I got to see some great teams with Dr. J and Moses Malone and Maurice Cheeks, and I've had some really terrible teams with, you know, Charles Shackleford and uh, Jim uh, Jim Spinarkel. Yeah, you probably don't even know who these guys are, but um, I've never... Been angrier at a Philadelphia athlete or Philadelphia seventy er than Ben Simmons, so
0: yeah, there's really it's really hard to pick an emotion to feel towards Ben because anger is obviously the main one, and then he gets into this weird mental thing, and you don't really know what to think. And he says he's going to come back. Um, he's an all star. It's just it's just so frustrating. There's so many things. It's so hard not to focus on it and to focus on this team whenever you're watching because in the back of your mind you think, what if we had Ben or. What if we have the guys that we could trade Ben for? And there's always that "what if." There's always that missing piece. But really, is, that's what the season's going to be until he's back. Until we know for sure. These these first few games, and I say few, few could mean five, few could mean ten, few could mean eighty-two. We really have no clue. There's there's no time frame. Daryl Morey goes out. He says could take four years, and honestly, would not be the most surprising thing in the world to me.
1: Well, he asked me about the uh, the Pelicans game, and the thing that impressed me the most, actually, about that game was Furkan Korkmaz, who I will admit I was not sold on. I'm still not sure I'm sold on, but he really played terrific. He was hitting his threes. I think he hit four in a row at one point. Uh, his, his ball handling looks better. His passing looks better. His all-around game looks better. Uh, maybe he actually is worth that contract they signed him to in the offseason.
0: Yeah, I really flew through those stats, but Furkan, again, 22 points, 7-for-11 shooting, 4-for-4 four four on threes. Yeah, he hit them all third quarter, fourth quarter. He went on a little run by himself. That kind of put the game away if it wasn't put away already. Um, I mean, that 3 or $15 million contract is an absolute steal for, for a guy like Furkan. And a guy like Furkan, like he's a small role player, whatever. He's a solid shooter, and he's a guy... Unlike Ben Simmons, that really, you can see, goes in the gym and works on his flaws. Rookie year, first year, even second year in the league. He was really just a catch and shoot if he ever played. And the only reason he played was because those teams weren't quite as good.
1: Um, would you have believed it when
0: uh, we actually went
1: to that draft the year that the Sixers drafted Ben Simmons and Furkan in the first round that we'd be sitting here a couple of years later and Furkan would actually be the player who's more valuable to the team right now than
0: Ben? <laughs> Not only is he is he on the team, but he's improved more than Ben. Since his rookie year, if you wouldn't even say Ben improved at all since his rookie year, that's a, a topic for another time. I can't even get into that until he's back on the court. But the way Furkan has improved his game, I, I've said it on this show before, but it just really impresses me the way he can put the ball on the floor now, create for his teammates, get to the basket. It's just ridiculous how how a, you would not expect this from the player that stepped on the court what three years ago literally he looked afraid with the ball in his hand he played no defense now he's got active hands he's able to guard decent players i don't want to say he's he's locking up the other team's uh best player you know he's not going out there and and locking steph curry but he's not a liability like like seth curry can be and obviously he's not the shooter seth is but i really like having him out there on the bench and we've seen in the past sixers benches can be really rough so having a guy like fur can really really be helpful
1: you think that game would have been more competitive if uh, Zion was playing? I mean, even even so, I mean, Sixers don't always play great on the road, so it was nice to to have a pretty easy road win.
0: Yeah, I think it would have been pretty competitive. However, I really don't know what to deal is with Zion. I mean, foot injury or not, the man is the heaviest player in the league now by a pretty healthy margin. Uh, healthy being uh, a little ironic there, and he's he's not seven foot four like Boban. He's six foot eight, six foot nine, and that's a little concerning, but um, continuing with that game, continuing with the bench theme, Andre Drummond looks ridiculous. That is maybe the signing of the offseason. That is very biased as a Sixers fan, but to get a guy on a minimum contract that's giving you 17 rebounds, putting in maximum effort on every single play, and he looks just He looks like a completely different player than last year when he was lost everywhere. He was losing minutes to to Marcus Saw, who's not even in the league anymore. And he's taking the ball up now. Not don't get me wrong, he's not a point guard, but he's doing things that you really wouldn't expect when we first signed him. I was a little skeptical at first, but looks like preseason's translating into the regular season. What are your thoughts on Drummond compared to Dwight Howard?
1: Well, I, I, last year, there were a couple times when Dwight Howard just played so actively and so enthusiastically that you know I got a little excited and said I thought he was the best backup center in the league, maybe one of the best backup centers any good teams ever had. Um, then the playoffs came, so uh, didn't quite live up to that. But I think Drummond is a step up. This is a guy who was a starter, played starters' minutes, you know, led the league in rebounding. And, you know, if he's really willing to embrace his role as Joel's backup, and he'll get plenty of games where Joel doesn't play, so he'll be have a chance to be the man. I think it's an excellent, excellent player. And I love his approach and his attitude so far. Um, very optimistic, very
0: very enthusiastic about him so far. Um, the last topic I want to cover from this game was really Tyrese Maxey. I touched on it when I was going over the stats quickly, but 20 points um, from a guy who is filling in for a point guard who... We're lucky if he gets twenty points once a month is um kind of a luxury for this team. Uh obviously he's not providing the defense, the the passing, the the really anything else besides scoring that Ben is. But I mean, he did grab seven rebounds, uh, maybe challenges under Ben a little bit there, five assists. So it's a solid all around game for for Ben, if Ben was here and it's not Ben, it's it's a second year player who's six foot, not drafted first overall and I'm really loving this kid. Uh, last year, he showed his prowess when when he got his minutes. Um, we saw in that Denver game, put up what, 39 points in his first start, and I think he really embraces the starting point guard role. He embraces the city, and he's really, really a young talent, and and the kind of player that Philly really did not have before this. Um, we had a lot of traditional players, um, a lot of I don't, I don't want to say tradition like old era players, but the way Tobias plays. Is really a a consistent game, a lot of mid-range, not a lot of flashiness, and I think Maxi provides that, and not only does it help the team, but it makes it more fun to watch.
1: He might be the fastest player I think I've ever seen. Once he accelerates and gets to the hoop, uh, I don't think I've ever seen a faster player, certainly not on the Sixers. Maybe Iverson.
0: The way I mean, I really don't want to make the comparison to Iverson, a second-year player who has not shown much of anything, but... uh, his explosiveness, his finishing is is really hard not to make that uh, comparison at first glance. Obviously, not on a skill level; they're not they're not there yet. But um, I'm really liking what I'm seeing the first game and the second game against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, not as fun as the Pelicans game, I would say. Um,
1: well, it was for about 45 of the 48 minutes.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty fair to say. Um, it's not fun going up against Kevin Durant um almost ever if you didn't know this guy's pretty good at basketball 29 points 15 rebounds 12 assists that's ridiculous that's a seven footer doing that um not much you can do to stop it also if you didn't know um our best bet probably Ben Simmons to stop that but what are you gonna do?
1: Has there ever, you think, been a podcast in the history of podcasts that talked more about a player who isn't actually playing on the team right now? Than um, we're talking. About I think
0: that? if you looked at almost any Sixers podcast from the last couple of months, uh, then I would. That answer to your question would be there are more. But um, yeah, Ben Simmons is a pretty interesting topic of conversation. But as I said, I can't focus on Ben. I have to focus on the team right now. So the team right now. Led up 29 points for rebounds, 12 assists to Kevin Durant. James Harden finishes with 27 and 8. And the really interesting satellite led to me. Well, Marcus Aldridge, forced to retire last year because of a heart condition. Turns out he's not retiring, comes back, and of course he kills the Sixers with 23 points, 10 of 12 shooting, basically standing at the free throw line, getting the ball for ridiculous passes from James Harden and Kevin Durant. Um, by, the way, by
1: the way, Blake Griffin is just totally washed.
0: Yeah, that the fact that he, he's playing huge minutes for this Nets team should really be concerning for them, and I don't want to say they should be looking for a replacement necessarily, but uh might not be a bad idea. So going into this theme of LaMarcus Aldridge scoring 23 points, it's not just, it wasn't just luck. Um, Joel Embiid clearly was not himself tonight. He looked solid at times. He did have four blocks and two steals, so to say he wasn't playing defense is not fair. However, his ability to fight over screens tonight, his ability to to switch and and get out on shooters really looked not uh, like his usual self. Um, in the second half, we could see the wear and tear. Uh, he looked injured on the sideline. Was doing a lot of stretching. And he was really trying to stay loose, but ultimately six for fifteen shooting and slowed down a lot towards the end. Not a lot of explosiveness tonight from him, and that's gonna hurt if you're the Sixers. Uh, obviously, this guy's supposed to be you know finished. Top three MVP last year. Should be in the MVP conversation this year, uh, if he can stay healthy. But tonight looked a little rough. I
1: hate, I hate to say it, but it reminded me of the game in the playoffs last year when he first came back after he had missed the one game with the knee injury. And he just didn't have the same explosion. He didn't have the energy in the fourth quarter. So his shots were, were you know, falling short. And, you know, obviously
0: it hurt us. Yeah, speaking of second-half energy, um, a total flip. uh, Tobias Harris, uh, 23 points tonight, 10 of 20. But most of those came in the first half. I think he scored, what, 17 points, maybe 19 in the first half. And uh, I think he scored even four more. Yeah, it was at 21 with, like, nine minutes left in the third quarter. He just went cold, uh, missed some key shots, a huge floater down the lane that really would have put us up. I think it was six at that time. Would have been a gigantic shot. Um it was a good shot selection in and out It wasn't like a terrible miss but uh yeah you can see this with tobias a lot he's he's very he's a very consistent player overall but but by a time in the game he gets really cold and really hot very easily.
1: i think he's great as a team's third option he's not as good as a team's second option
0: yeah he's he's you know you want him to be similar to chris middleton in in terms of of a shooter and and a guy who can create for himself uh Tobias is pretty good late in games usually, but he's just not Chris Middleton with that shot. And um, Yeah, I agree. As a third option, he can be really solid, and he really has had to take on that second scorer role, which is a little rough for a championship-contending team. Um, Flipping the script with this uh, second-half theme, Tyrese Maxey, first half, two points. Uh, He was playing okay, setting up his teammates all right, uh, just running the offense. Looked kind of like a facilitator, but 13 points in the second half. Made some key shots despite the loss. Uh, big step back three, which got the fans really excited, and that's something Ben can't do. Sorry, I had to bring his name up again, <laughs> but um, yeah, Maxi looked pretty explosive again. Looks like looks like a very consistent starting point guard to me. That's I'm very happy if he's going to take the helm for this weird interim period.
1: So Adam didn't mention the most important part of the game, which was Joel Embiid's pregame speech. Uh, to try to fire up the fans before the home opener and he did a great job you know if there's ever been a, an athlete that Philadelphia just embraced and, and loved and, and played up to their standards you know other than you know maybe Iverson or or you know Brian Dawkins there have been very few like Embiid but I love how at the very end he slipped in uh, we still love Ben and and he's still part of the team right at the very end of his speech. Actually, I don't remember, something like that. Yeah, right?
0: he, he was encouraging the fans to not boo him basically to support him because he's still their brother. Um, I didn't know, I don't know many brothers like where, where they consider themselves that close and they proceed to like avoid each other and they go to practice and don't talk and um, yeah, they, one goes to LA for multiple months with no communication to all of his brothers. It's a little strange to me that um but i'm not surprised actually joel handles most things like a professional especially in the last few years maybe at the start of his career uh some things he did were a little fun. I'm just but gonna put what it down. Want. Right? You want
1: you want him to mature and you want him to grow yeah. into the role and 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 learn and embrace Philadelphia, right? I mean, you know, Philadelphia can be a tough place to play or it can be the greatest place to play, and and the contrast between him and some other people,
0: you know, is just is just crazy. Yeah. Um, one more thing. I don't want to let this slip away. Um, I want to give Seth Curry his props for tonight's game. 23 points, uh, nine for 12 shooting, four for four on threes. He is a knockdown shooter, and the Sixers have have had J.J. Redick, and I think Seth might be a better pure knockdown shooter. The way this man just can catch and fire so quickly, uh, and he creates his own shot now, which he I think he's improved on in his time in Philly. Uh, we saw one play. He had Javon Carter at the top of key, a great defender, uh, especially in college, uh, shown his defending on the Suns, but he had him turned around, and he just fired the second he had any open space and just nailed the three. I mean... Seth really, this isn't saying much, but offensively is just an absolute weapon to have on your team and is a very, very solid starter. Defensively, we've seen him be a liability. <clears throat> Game seven, Kevin Herter. But, you know, he's a great player to have on the team, especially for a very defensive-heavy team that could use offense.
1: It has to be genetic, right? I mean, like, what's the chances that two brothers would both be so amazing at the same skill? It has to be, it has to be in the genes. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's not like the dad was too bad himself, uh, But, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous how um, the greatest shooter of all time's brother is also um, one of the best... I think, percentage-wise, is the best three-point shooter of all time, actually. And I'm very happy he's a 76er. I was a little skeptical at first, which sounds a little strange. What what can you be skeptical of, a pure shooter, for not, not giving up that much? But, hey, he's proved me wrong, whatever that means. I don't feel like we're missing Josh Richardson these days. I don't think anyone's missing Josh Richardson these days. Um... End of this game, other small points. The bench really struggled to score. Drummond looked great again. Ten rebounds, uh, two steals, two blocks. Really active. He's not going to be your scorer. Furkan, ten points. Scoring wasn't all the way there tonight, but his playmaking, he might try to do a little too much sometimes. He euros, he's behind the back, flashy passes, sometimes get away from him. But overall, I like his game, and I like what he's doing, running the offense as a backup point guard. And uh, I don't know how many times I have to say it, but... We're going to need point guards during this time period. And I think Furcon might even be a better option than Shake when he comes back in terms of a point guard. Shake is really beneficial at the two, but I don't love his playmaking.
1: Uh, while we're going over tonight's game, uh, we haven't mentioned three straight air balls on three point attempts by a really great and professional player, Danny Green. Yeah, I was
0: kind wow. of trying to avoid that point. Um, but yeah, Danny Green did air ball three threes. Um, and he had five fouls this game. That's why I only played 22 minutes. He had two threes early and nothing else. Yeah, when I say nothing in the first else, minute, right? when and I say then... nothing else, I mean nothing else. Um, this brings me to the next point of Doc's coaching. Uh, leaving Danny in was a little interesting there. Um, you have Furkan who, you know, can hit a three at that at that point. I would probably trust him more than the guy who's airballed twice in a row. Um, but yeah, yeah. I don't totally blame him for leaving in Danny, but I do totally blame him for not using the challenges. And that that was that was killer. That was absolutely devastating. There was there was a play and uh it looked clearly like a foul or not like a foul that they called. That was a key turning point in the game. We did not challenge and ultimately hit their free throws and they put them up I think put them up one at that time. But there was multiple times where a challenge could have been used, and instead it wasn't.
1: I don't understand why they didn't challenge You know, at least once. What's the worst that happens? You lose a timeout. There were such a bad couple sequences in those last three minutes.
0: Yeah, and Doc's post-game presser, he mentioned that there's a guy for that now. That's a new thing that teams have who tells you if you should challenge, and he gave the thumbs down, and that means don't challenge. But I feel like if you're Doc Rivers... Uh, sometimes you got to go use your better judgment, look up at the Jumbotron and see that it was a f- not a foul, and, you know, make that challenge.
1: The Sixers went 10 deep in the rotation today, although Isaiah Joe only played a couple of minutes. You, you think they're going to stick stick with playing all 10 of those guys?
0: Well, that's going to move to 11 with Shake Milton and potentially 12 with Hugh so not be named. Um, and maybe even 13. Paul Reed didn't see the court for one minute. Niang um, was fine, you know, he kind of did what you'd expect him to do, uh, played okay defense, uh, moved around, hit a couple shots. But really, Paul Reed in these situations is a guy I really want to see on the court. Um, the energy that he can bring with alongside Andre Drummond would absolutely be unbelievable having those two guys side by side. The spacing, that's another story. Maybe you can't have him on the court. Um, if you have Paul Reed and Drummond on the court together, you're probably going to have to play three shooters and... Uh, Outside of them, but that might be okay, and at a time where you're you're letting up a big run, Paul Reed's a guy that can come in and maybe stop it, throw down a dunk, uh, Matisse-Thibault type, and just get the team really, really hyped up. So, what are your thoughts on Paul Reed versus Niang? I feel like that backup power forward is probably going to get the least minutes of any, any position on this team.
1: So I saw Paul Reed play in a preseason game, and I, I thought he was manhandled just a little bit. Maybe he needs to get a little bit stronger. Um not not sure, but you know it's hard to go more than eight or nine deep in an NBA game there's not a lot of minutes you you lose a lot of that continuity but you know, I think Paul's reed got a great future. i really I think he's going to carve out a role for this team, but maybe not this year
0: I think that that's really going to depend um I agree that you can't you can't play both Niang and Reed, but I think you can in different games um obviously you like to establish uh, as you said some sort of continuity between the team, but if there's a game where you need that energy Niang's trust me. You're not getting a crazy uh, dunk, block, uh, hustle plays from Niang. It's just not who he is. You're not get, like Paul Reed can provide that in a in a situation where you could use that. But I think f- from a game to game basis, I agree that Paul Reed should not be playing super meaningful minutes. Um, going with the rotation, the final thing I want to discuss from these first two games. Is just taking a little. This is my uh, topic I love to talk about on this show. Uh, if you've been listening, you know every time you got to talk about the wings. The wings the Sixers have on this team, there's so many, they can all play meaningful minutes. I'm going to go through it again. They have Seth Curry, Danny Green, Matisse Theibel, um Furcon Korkmaz, Shake Milton, Isaiah Joe. That's six guys that can play two positions. None of those guys, except for maybe Furcon at the point, I trust at another position. I don't trust any of them with the four. So that's cramming six guys. Seth Curry's getting his big minutes. Danny Green's going to get his solid minutes as starters. So that's basically four guys filling bench minutes. It's hard to argue against Tease getting minutes, seeing what he does on the defensive end, even if he's not a great scorer. It's hard to argue against Furk getting minutes. That leaves Isaiah Joe and Shake Milton, who also it's hard to argue after... You know, we haven't seen him this year, but last year, he seems like a guy that should be getting time. So what are your thoughts on this, and how do you manage all these guys?
1: Well, I hope that, like, you know, people just make, you know, force force Doc's hand so that they just have to play him because they're just playing so well and, and, and showing so well in, in practice. I, I could see Danny getting de-emphasized over the course of the season if, if someone else can step up and, and, you know, really earn some minutes. Um, Danny's a professional I don't think he needs to You know To play to to help this team Right Maybe he can turn into The Sixers Udonis Haslam
0: Yeah I really like the point That you made there Um, I don't know about Udonis Haslam I think he should play Some minutes You know His corner threes His defenses are valuable But His value on this team Comes more from winning Three championships And being That much of a veteran In this league Than it does On the court And he is a starter He definitely I think should be playing minutes Um, But at some point if a guy like FERC shows he keeps playing like this, a guy like Tease, you wanna give him the minutes so that he can provide that huge spark defensively, especially without ben um I think that you pull the trigger and you you move Danny to the bench because Seth's not coming to the bench anytime soon if he's shooting like he does on a game to game basis
1: yep, I think that's right
0: um any final thoughts from these uh next two uh la- sorry last two games uh anything we didn't cover any players. Well, well, I want to give a shout-out to Mark Zumoff, who got to ring the bell tonight, and, you know,
1: is a Sixers legend in his own way. Uh, another Sixers legend, Alan Iverson, was in the house tonight, which is always great to see him.
0: Yeah, well, I will say that I uh, did get to go to the game tonight, and while it was disappointing, the atmosphere for the home opener was electric. Zumoff came out to ring the bell. Fans were excited till the final whistle, or I guess the final 10 seconds when they were shooting free throws. But... Looking up at the upcoming schedule, looks relatively easy for the next three games. I'm not going to jinx it. We play the Thunder away. Um, Thunder look absolutely atrocious. Uh, Hopefully that's no problem, however, with the Sixers. You really never know. Uh, At MSG should be a tough one on Tuesday. And, you know, the Knicks look like a good roster this year. They got Kemba Walker, Joyce Randall's looking pretty, pretty unbelievable from where he was two years ago. But... Yeah, that atmosphere alone is hard to play. And so against a good roster, that should be an interesting one. And next game is Pistons at home. And as I said, don't want to overlook any game, but should win at least two of those three or else I would show some concern early in the season. So thoughts on any of those games, uh, anything you're looking forward to?
1: Well, if you invite me back, you know, someday maybe i get to talk about how we defeated, you know, Beef Stew and Jeremy Grant from the from the Pistons. But um Look, I think Embiid's probably going to sit at least one of those games. You know, he looked didn't look like himself. And anytime you don't have Embiid, you know,
0: it it changes the whole
1: rotation and, and you never know.
0: Yeah, all right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening and trust the process.